Welcome to Film Tweakers. Picaresque audio reviews of all of your favorite films. A Film Tweak is an extemporized commentary track that is intended to be synced with a Blu-ray, DVD, video stream, cable TV, etc. to enhance your personal viewing experience. Film Tweakers is a seasonal bi-weekly podcast. Please visit us at filmtweakers.com to hear more movies get tweaked, as well as no, to find other films related No, when I first saw them start, like, in the early aughts, I remember seeing, like, Rashomon, Paths of Glory, things like that. But now they have, like, Daddy Daycare Criterion Collection. You know, the worst things that you could make. But uh, Repo Man, despite the stupid content and the sort of nihilism, is a highly acclaimed movie. Uh, it's got like a 98, 98% rating. Oh, yeah? How many more chips do you have? Oh, I'm almost done. <laughs> Don't worry. Fuck. I'm just going to keep the bag for sound effects, though. Um, Amsterdam is not joining us. We're going to watch Begotten. Yeah. You think he just wants to watch his movie? Uh, no. The, he just wants to uh, stay home and like eat dinner without wearing headphones is what he's doing right now. Hmm. That sounds pretty selfish. So, yeah, I was watching uh, Running Scared because uh, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I thought it was a lot funnier, or I had a fondness for it, more so than, like, 48 Hours or uh, Turner and Hooch, some other cop movie. It's actually a featured um, featured on HBO Go right now, their online service. It's, uh, like, a featured featured movie that's on, which is strange. Running Scared? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all I remember was there was a scene where they spray paint the uh, sidewalk to get someone's car towed. They spray paint the sidewalk yellow. Oh yeah. And I think and I think there's a scene like in a shopping mall. And I've already seen the spray paint thing. I guess once they get to the shopping mall I can turn it off and not bother finishing it. Uh which leads me to another jiffy tweak. I was thinking about movies that you can just skip the last ten minutes of. Uh that's not really a topic for tonight's movie. But I was watching something uh, a couple days ago. Oh, I was watching Beverly Hills Cop. Uh-huh. And I was getting down to the end. And I had like five or ten minutes left, but I knew how it was going to end, so I shut it off. There's no point in watching the finale. Um, What movies are like that? Where there's an ending, but then like a sort of coda or finale that is not really necessary to resolve the film. You could just shut it off at yeah, that point. Yeah. Uh, running Scared is one of them. I mean, I'm sorry. Beverly Hills Cop is one of them. That's another guy who should have died early. Um, probably right... Right during the filming of The Golden Child would have been a good time for Eddie Murphy to have died. Uh, before he started doing uh, like his multiple role cartoons and stuff. Oh, the the fat 
the clumps was that him yeah he did a bunch of fat versions of himself in a family or something or the entire family anything after like 1984 like i thought maybe he made a lot of good films had a big run but his like his decent run that he's known for is only like two or three years when did uh, delirious come out Uh, that was, wait, was that before Raw? Because Raw came out, like, the year after Beverly Hills Cop. Raw was before, really? Huh. They all came out in, like, before 85, and after that, there's no reason to watch anything he's in. Probably the only thing after 85 worth watching might be Bowfinger with Steve Martin. And that came out like ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah, um, I've never, I've never seen it. Me but <laughs> but I've been told that it's uh, funny or better than his average. What about shit. um, what about uh, what year did Harlem Nights come out? Uh, Eighty eight. Oh, really? Okay, so that was way before. All right. And I've been. I that's another one I was have a fond memory of seeing as a kid. But I've been told that it sucks, so now I just believe that it sucks. I just and watched. I figured I must have been, must have been wrong. I just watched this uh, Richard Pryor documentary on PBS, and uh, they were talking about how that movie, like they did it because it was supposed to be this like then and now kind of uh, black comedian and famous actor movie, but uh, yeah that Richard Pryor was just in such bad shape at that point. They shouldn't have even cast him that he was just like kind of awful, but it was more like a homage to him to actually put him in it next to Eddie Murphy. Um, yeah. He was going to die. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy wanted to do something with him. Right. And like give him something. So they made that. Is film, Bill, is but it's Billy D. Film. Williams. Is the, is that the other guy? I don't know if he's in it. Red Fox is Red in Fox. It. Both of them. That's what it was. They were like, they needed to have, they wanted to have both of them. But like, uh, it's just not fitting at all of Red Fox. Like, at least the other guys are kind of cool. But Red Fox is like, he just doesn't, he's like a crazy old man. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't fit I, in that role at all. I'm not even sure he was like part of the plot. I think he would just be sitting in a room. And then walk into the room he was in, and he would just tell some fucked up story. No, that makes okay. And then the plot, and then the plot would continue later without him. Like he was just there whenever they, his whole his whole contribution was to tell some anecdote or some fucked up joke in a sort of intermission huh. of the action. Uh I got to announce this since we it's a surprise at this point no one knows because we were so busy talking about running scared and Harlem Nights delirious welcome tweak hearts and fresh listeners welcome to episode 28 of film tweakers uh, tonight we'll be tweaking the 1984 science fiction thriller repo man uh, directed by 9-11 truther Alex Cox, starring Harry Dean Stanton and Emilio Estevez, and I think that's it. Yeah, Alex 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 Cox 
famed director of Sid Nancy and Straight to Hell, and that's about it. He's someone else who peaked uh, after the first three things he did and then disappeared in 87 or so. He's done a ton of movies since then, but no one has ever seen them. And he's also a uh, a truther. You know, he thinks that George, uh, Dick Cheney destroyed the World Trade Center. Um, this is part one, or maybe part two, of the sort of moody, nihilistic malaise film series by Film Tweakers. This is also part one of the Los Angeles series by the Film Tweakers, where Los Angeles is one of your main characters of the film. Warlock, do you have anything to say about this movie, or is this a first time for you? Um, I think this was one of the movies... Uh... Suburbia would be another, and maybe in a more underground version, Decline of Western Civilization, were the movies that you could rent at the video store when I was a young punk. And uh, I was always excited to see, because it had like, although it was sort of a bastardized or like corrupted version of what I was into, it was close enough that it was exciting to watch and feel like almost like when they make kind of the same feeling you have when you see a book you like made into a film and you get to yeah. see it to the, back then it wasn't, you know, I read magazines and stuff, but uh, I didn't have a very good grasp of what punk as I thought it was, which to me then was like LA uh, <clears throat> what it was in real life. So I was always excited to see these kind of movies. It was exciting for me to see them in this one, at least, as like punks as characters, not as like background the punks or something. In the but yeah, yeah, or as a scene stealer. Uh, but then again, they're like they got mohawks and stuff, but they're fucking robbing people with shotguns, which seemed to me like too incongruous. It seemed foreign to me that like punks would be armed robbers as well. Yeah. Uh but they are also the sort of punks that I uh, wouldn't have sympathized with. I'm more of a, you know, posycore type guy than the uh, nihilistic or everything stupid, everything sucks sort of punks. Or I don't know. We can talk more about that as they come up. I've still been confront. I've still confront those people today. Uh, the sort that think like they're almost like libertarians in the sense that there should be no rules or no like social mores they should follow so they should be allowed to call people like uh, a racial slur or like a homophobic remark but it's okay because like I listen to the right music so it's okay if I do it because of the context Uh, I disagree with that because I'm such a positive guy, I guess I have a different back, uh, different background. You, you are very positive. The punk shit I was into was more positive than the sort of destroy everything. Yeah. Uh, attitude. Though, so though I would see them and think like, oh, there must be some kinship. We're both punks. It turns out they're actually just douchebag. They're just douchebags. They're just bros that have leather jackets. Uh 
they're just also worthless fucks, the same as like a guy with a popped collar might be. Um, okay, listeners, after that little mini rant uh, on my part, we're now going to help you get synced up so that you can listen to our commentary track and have it sync up with the appropriate moments in the film you're watching at home. Uh, what you're going to want to do is put your disc in its play in the drive or load up your Amazon thing. Uh, play the film until you see the Universal logo. Once you see that Universal logo fade to black, hit pause on your player. You'll hear us count down from three, and when we say the word play, hit play or unpause your player, and you should be synced up with us. Get ready. Three, two, one, play. So far, these credits aren't that awesome. Oh, I kind of like them. Uh, no music. Just the two names. <sighs> then it then it turns cool. Yeah. Now it's awesome. Uh, I remember seeing this when I was like 10 years old. My brother had a copy because he was a punk years before I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was I was opposed to anyone listening to music. So this part always scared me because of the hard guitars. Uh, I didn't believe in listening to music until I was like a late tween, early teen. I thought it was too decadent to listen to music or watch TV or read books. Wasn't serious enough. <laughs> so this always scared me. But now it's a pretty awesome opening. It's a good way to sneak past not having shit happening in the background, but it is building up the story by showing this map. I mean, the map that it's showing is relevant to the first thing we're going to see. So it fills you in uh, before it starts. So it's not like just a wasted black screen like some idiot Woody Allen opening. Why did I think this was L.A.? I guess just like the... It's going to Desert be. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah, it's following the map. the The map is going from Los Alamos, New Mexico, oh, okay, to Los Angeles. I see. Uh, but you see, it's zooming in, zooming in on a car stop. The car stop somewhere. Oh, that's right. Okay, now I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be an awesome tattoo. That circle. <coughs> if ta if ta if tattoos weren't decadent and unacceptable. Here's a here's a Hollywood trope for you. Cars on abandoned roads in the desert. No one ever drives down these roads. Why would they? No, there's a much quicker way. <laughs> Why would you drive down this road unless you were going to be in a Hollywood movie? I think that's the only reason they paved these roads. The Hollywood, the uh, the studios paid to put these roads in. They didn't even exist before. They don't actually go anywhere. They just end. This is just a, a one mile road. Yeah, makes a circle. Makes a circle. It's a circle. Yeah. 
I'd like to know about uh the kind of pants this guy's wearing. Who? By the way, that's Iggy, Iggy Pop as the uh cop, by the way. Is it? He yeah. also did the theme song. Oh yeah. Oh, that makes sense. He is such a weird guy. Rather than tuck his tie in, shouldn't they just tell that the motorcycle cops don't have to wear ties? Yeah, um, I feel like the uniforms for um, those pants for police officers in general seem really. Why aren't they just wearing like tactical gear? Like I know that's a big problem people have with the police, but yeah, it's uncomfortable well, to dress like I, that. When I see them, it's some kind of. Uh, some kind of what do you call it emergency or uh -huh. you know breaking into someone's house and they're just wearing like the golf shirts or the t-shirts they just have like a bag yeah, bag yeah. So screened on them i don't appreciate that it makes me feel like it could be anybody that's a good point it doesn't seem like you'd you'd respect someone but the the, the state troopers with like the they look like they're dressed up for like some sort of leather daddy show with like the knee high boots <laughs> Yeah. This is probably around the time I decided I needed to have one ear pierced. Why would he have a cross? Which is a better... Which Estevez brother do you relate to more? I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. Huh. Which one do I... Not relate to least, I guess. <laughs> yes. Or which of the three Estevez clan? Martin Sheen would be the best one. Yeah, he's the most. But is that just because he's like older and we don't know that generation as well? Maybe he was a real. Well, he was kind of a cool guy, like Badlands. He was. He was pretty. Yeah, cool. he was awesome as shit in that. Yeah, and Apocalypse Now, so cool. These are the most accurate movie punks I've ever seen. Yeah. Also, uh, that's great. They're not just punks all the time. Yeah. They're they just have regular jobs fucking losers. <laughs> losers and just are punks uh, after hours. Yeah. Like, this guy's just a fucking geek. That seems to be the more accurate punk that I've seen. <laughs> not these really guys. This is a really sweet mosh pit. I've never seen that happen before. Uh, the moshing... To a car stereo, just in an alley. Yeah. But then again, Los Angeles is much different than uh, the rest of the country. What's going on there? Excuse me while I fold my pants. I never understood if she was supposed to be British or something. What's that? If she's supposed to be British, and if so, why? She has an accent. But I guess it doesn't matter. It's just uh, color. It's a punk accent, I believe. Just, just color, character color. Wow. You don't treat people like that, Otto. This is like, this is both 
what I thought like your house was supposed to be like if you were punk and why I was like unsure if I could commit to the lifestyle. <laughs> it's like, oh man, people are just like hanging out, wrecking everything. Isn't this that uh, nerds, the nerd guys, uh, parents? I like the, uh, one, the uh, champagne, the generic champagne. <laughs> Uh, is he, this is like a, this would be like a, it's like Black Flag wrote this just for this moment. It's on the soundtrack, but I don't know if it's, it's not his version. <laughs> this, the song, this song is the best one on the soundtrack. The background music, not him singing. Yeah. TV party. It's also kind of like the best representation of, similarly, really being a punk. Is you're like, we just watch TV, hang out. It's relatable. Part of the reason uh, this movie was picked tonight was uh, I kept saying about how Los Angeles is a character in the film. To me, what um, to me, what I find appealing is that they're in Los Angeles, but it doesn't really matter. Like they never mention it; they don't do anything that's typically Los Angeles. And you can imagine this is happening at the same. This is happening the same time as like Lethal Weapon or Less Than Zero or something. Uh, but don't you? They could be anywhere. But the whole time, it's just this like annihil. You know. Uh, well, they're all nihilist, but like, no one else is around. Everything's like destroyed. Los Angeles, Los Angeles is off in the distance somewhere. But don't, don't you think that's what it's about? Like, it's like supposed to be like they're like left behind in this like opulent city. Yeah, yeah. That's almost like a post-apocalyptic yeah settings. Uh, that they're acting in. And even the things they go to that are open seem like they've been there forever. Even the food and like the, the where he worked, everything is generic. Like everything is a warehouse. You don't see any front doors. There's no stores here. Yeah, as opposed to something like uh, One Crazy Summer or The Flamingo Kid, where everything's about how you're near Hollywood or the beach. I like that he had to speed off, like as if that guy could run at like superhuman strength and catch the car. Oh, he's found his passion. Is he on the highway? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, it's also like I think we talked about it when I during uh, Barton Fink. How I they, there's L.A. over there in the corner. How I'm fascinated that like. You think of Los Angeles as the entertainment capital and like supermodels and, you know, Hollywood people and rock stars everywhere. Right. But so much of it is like just takes place without anyone ever knowing. Uh, 
well, you know, where would, where would these people be? Well, in any huge metropolis, if they're no matter what it's known for, there has to be just as many janitors and garbage men and like just regular stuff. Like, you know, yeah. Somebody's got to repossess the cars. Somebody's got to run a tow truck service. Somebody's got to, yeah. you know, direct well, traffic. I guess what I'm that saying is, is amazing. What I'm saying is they make a movie about people in L.A., but in this case, they choose the people who are not the winners. Oh, I see what you're saying. Them. Yeah, they decided to focus on the other part of L.A. Yeah, not like a writer or, you know, someone trying to make it in the industry. Just people who don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah, it is nice that they don't ever mention like that part the hollywood part like even as like background although isn't there's some kind of like there has to be that to contrast who he is she is um way too nicely dressed to be working in this place <laughs> well she works as the uh the public face, you know, she's a receptionist. So. Why would anyone, but you can still see those other guys. She's probably the only one who can read. Yeah. Another thing that I always found um, hard to deal with as a child was the antagonism between everyone all the time. I'm like, why aren't they friends? I couldn't understand why they wouldn't be friends. Like, why would he pour that beer on the ground? Yeah, I don't I don't understand that either. Yeah, it's always got to be like, everybody's angry. It kind of reminds me of, it's kind of the, maybe the people that wrote it didn't understand because they were came up in bro culture, so to speak. How like, you know, if you're like on the football team, you're always fighting everybody else. Or if you're in a fraternity, you seem to always be fighting everybody else. Emilio Estevez has his whole life ahead of him. Who knew he would go so far? I was thinking more like this is the end. This is his highlight. After this comes uh, Breakfast Club, St. Ambrose Fire, and that's it. He just died. Chaos. Does it say Grim Reapers? Yeah. That's a uh, homage to Sons of Anarchy. This uh, cop, I guess, scientist lady, is <laughs> supposed to have a robotic hand. But they couldn't afford it, so she just wears a glove. <laughs> uh, she they show her with the screwdriver at one point, but for most of the movie, you just wonder why she's wearing a glove.
more generic food. Yeah, it's supposed to be a robot. That uh, guy in the hat is the basis for the circle jerks. Who just walked in? Uh, no, the nerd guy. The nerd guy is? Yeah. Huh. Does he... Circle jerks play in this movie, don't they? They do. Is he? Does he play with them when they play? No, uh, I guess he met them on the set and joined as the bassist after... After this, Xander Schloss. This seems to be more accurate as far as punks go than the armed robberies with shotguns. Uh, just sitting there doing nothing. Then he goes home to like a nice suburban house and he has everything he needs. But he still pretends to be angry. Also, he's just wearing normal clothes, which I think most punks did. Um... I think if this movie had been filmed maybe even just four years later, the Red Hot Chili Peppers would have lived with them. It seems a fitting role for at least Flea and Anthony Kiedis to be in food. This is, if there was going to be a one perfect shot, this would probably be one of them. That's the greatest film prop ever made. Just a can of food. Yeah. What do you eat? Food. Oh, you think he would have moved in with him? Or, uh... With a RHCP? I think they would have... I think they would have, uh... I think they would have at least... I think they would have done, like, a speaking extra role. Or he could move in. They could at least have the the, the chili peppers. <laughs> the chili peppers could have been uh, the band. Yeah, at the bar. I mean, or they're a much better punk band than the Circle Jerks. Instead of having Xander Schloss as his best friend, it could have been Flea. That would have been cool. And instead of Charlie, uh, Emilio Estevez, this could have been Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and that just, why didn't they just see if my, I feel like if your father's also a famous actor, he should just play your father in every movie. Like if this was just Martin Sheen sitting on the couch, smoking a joint. Yeah. It seems like a waste. Yeah. That's Bob. That's Bob Denver. I mean, I'm sorry, John Denver, uh, Bob Denver's Gilligan. That was John Denver as his dad. Oh Yeah. Seems like a waste. Seems like a waste. It should have been uh, Martin Sheen. I'd rather have Harry Dean Stanton as my dad. Do you think a Porsche a, than, was a Porsche fifty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty four? Because I feel like that's probably. what a Porsche costs now. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. A, like a Prius or something is like thirty thousand, isn't it? Yeah, but Fuck if I, I think all those cars have gone up, and then uh, luxury cars have stayed, or like the the ultra luxury sports cars have stayed pretty pretty much the same. I haven't looked at a car price in my entire life. I don't think on purpose. I don't know what a what a car costs. Orpheum was playing Staying Alive. Yeah, this movie's supposed to take place in 1981. Oh, it's a period piece. It was set three years in the past. Oh, nice. By the way, the speech he gives is fucking amazing. <laughs> he should have got an Oscar. The speech, he should have got an Oscar for this. I assume you have the sound on. Uh, yeah, I'm doing subtitles. And not just trusting me. Uh, when he sees the when he sees the uh, tennis players. Hey, look, look at that! Look at those assholes over there. Ordinary fucking people. I hate them. Those are not ordinary people. <laughs> ordinary fucking people. I hate them. Here's the second greatest prop in history. <laughs> Drink. Get eight drinks, please. Also, are those mini beers or mini drinks? Yeah, it looks like uh, eight ounce drinks. Yeah. Um, Hearing that line, ordinary people spend their lives avoiding tense situations. Repo man get in tense situations. Made me feel like a piece of shit, like a loser. This is the same. Because I'm they blocked this man. bridge off. This is much. They used must have taken from the purge, or taken this scene from the uh, for the purge, purge anarchy. I mean, purge two. Exact same scene. There's a there's a bread truck like that. They're stopped on the bridge. Huh. The bridge scenes in Los Angeles and films is another trope. Like there's always a, something happening on one of these L.A. bridges. Well, and in films, yeah, but no one ever drives across those bridges. And in the water, uh, in the the aqueducts, no, what do you no call these? To. Aqueducts, storm. Well, that's actually the L.A. River. L.A. River. It, they paid. They actually paved it over. That's just the plain old river. It's never got water in it because there's it's in a desert. But they paved the entire thing. You can't really drive in there, correct? I don't think you're allowed to. I mean, are there places in the city that it's so fucked up that you can just do it, though? Uh Oh, the Rodriguez brothers. I mean, it's like... I don't know, a few dozen miles long. And there are ramps and stuff and, you know, gates to get in there, but you're not supposed to drive in there. Uh, I've ridden my bike down it. There's, like, a bike path along it. Oh, yeah? But, uh... I think this is probably the third movie I've seen them do this in. I've never saw a car there. They do this in um, Terminator 2 also. Terminator 2, Greece? Greece, yeah, of course. Um, I'm picturing some kind of like thrillers where they do it. They might do it in 7. Hmm. That's a pretty sweet bridge right there. Yeah. 
Repo man's always intense. Let's get a drink. This is this is the only time he expresses emotion, and it's in a car. Yeah, if I could, I'd drive across that bridge there, but no one ever has. Yeah. Wow, they've been robbing that place forever. That was a new place. Just. Uh, here's another. This is another one perfect shot. Yeah. That, that this, this whole scene with the doors and that little gate by the door. Yeah. I love it. The bag falling off his head. It's covering his mohawk. Also, I love that graffiti law parents liable for $2,000 in damage. That doesn't seem fair. Where on earth are you seeing that? It's on the door. Oh, I see it. Oh, I couldn't read and that. Huh. I think graffiti might be spelled wrong. I think it always is. Yeah. There's a car. $100. <clears throat> hmm, deep I liked when it was cool to wear bicycle gloves I, and there was a point when it was cool to wear bicycle shorts just as regular clothes I don't think uh, that's the case yeah oh, those, those are driving gloves <laughs> Do you ride your bike doing regular stuff like going to work or going to the store? Or do you walk? I, or drive? I walk or drive. I uh this I haven't locked my bike up in years. Huh. Sometimes I would ride to work and stash my bike in the basement. I just don't feel comfortable leaving my bike locked up out of sight for a long period of time. That makes sense. Like eight hours at work. Yeah. Twelve hours at work. Huh. I didn't know I was gonna ask if you wrote if you wore gloves just going around the city, like to the store. I actually don't even uh, I don't wear gloves at all anymore unless it's cold. Huh. Um interesting. I have uh pretty comfortable break hoods. Yeah. Got it. So wait, he just has the keys to that car? They probably got the keys or have like a set of uh skeleton keys. Um, you know you know what I think is interesting is is back then, so like nobody in in real life, I guess shithole. Nobody was fat at this period of time. Like nobody was there weren't less obese hugely obese people. But yeah. in movies they were much more uh, likely to show a guy with his shirt opened or off who was like regular looking, not like ripped. <laughs> like that guy with his shirt well, yeah, unzipped. Like they used to, today, if that was that guy would look like fucking Ryan Gosling, or they wouldn't show him with his shirt opened. Yeah, uh, the cop, the um, security guard is the same way. His shirt's open the whole time, and he's like kind of doughy and hairy. Yeah. But there aren't any guys like that in movies anymore. The people have just gone in each direction, either become super obese or constantly doing uh, crunches seconds before the shot. This is the second best song in the movie. 
He doesn't seem like her type. I mean, she doesn't seem like his type. Um, I can't tell. Do you think, do you think, I think his type falls between her and the girl he was in bed with that ended up making out with his friend instead. Yeah. Um. This should be. She seemed like his type. What, who did? Uh, his ex-girlfriend. I don't think she seemed like his type. I think she seemed a little too wild for him. That's a cool watch. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, it does sound stupid. I was going to say, if he is interested in the previous girl, he wouldn't be interested in someone like her. Meanwhile, I would have dated either one of these and been content. So I guess he could as well. But instead, I just dated nobody when I was in high school. Or college. Or graduate school. Or the work world. I wonder why she didn't become famous. Uh, she died shortly after the filming of this movie. That's that's a shame. It makes sense, though. I mean, this is the only thing she's known for, so it's a good thing that she died after it. It makes sense that she's not in something else. I think this uh, truck that drives up... Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. For some reason, this truck that drives by them when they talk sums up what I was shouting about, about uh, normal stuff happening in Los Angeles while people try to live. Here it is. <laughs> They're filming a movie and this truck just pulls in. They can't have planned that. No. Definitely, yeah. But they they just keep going. This is also uh how you film a intimate scene. You say it's gonna happen and the camera crosses the street, you don't have to you don't have to watch. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm growing to like that more. It's like we don't need either you you make a porno movie because it's about people having sex, or you just yep. make a movie where you allude to them doing it because it doesn't really matter. You don't need you know, everybody you just you, you figure what that what they're doing. There's fat uh, fat Dennis Hopper. He's up to something. They don't have the keys to this one. I saw a couple guys who went doing this today in front of my neighbor's house. I saw it the other day Three in guys. front of my house, too. I wonder if they were repo men. I didn't get involved. I think this whole scene is just to show us how 
to start a car without the keys. The writer of this film was a repo man. I think he just put the scene in here to show off. So we're about 30 minutes in here. Are we at Act 2 yet? Um, I don't know if Act 2 would have been when he started. <laughs> we think Act 1 is him as a repo man. I think Act... No, I think Act 2 started when he met the girl with the alien picture. To set him off on his second journey. What's that? To set him off on his second journey. The first journey was becoming a repo man. Yeah. And the second one is giving a repo man purpose. Um, I'll tell you, though, you can add this movie to your um, 101 films that don't have love stories. That's true, yeah. This, fucking, this dude hates Christmas. Oh, is this a Christmas film? What? It's a Christmas film? He hates Christmas. He threw those uh threw those Christmas presents out the window. I guess they could have been birthday presents. Uh once again, a cameo from Larry of Larry Daryl and Daryl. Actually, what's that guy's name? He's been in a lot of movies, this guy. That's not that's not Larry. What? It's not Larry. You think it's Daryl? Larry is William Sanderson from Blade. He's in Blade Runner. Oh yeah, Deadwood. I don't know who this guy is, but he's not William or W. H. Sanderson. Whose career was derailed when he did that extremely racist uh, film? What movie? Let's see off the, off the top of my head if I can remember. Um, I don't think he was a racist, but he, like, as a project, you know, as a statement, made some film where he was, like, a racist sheriff or something. Uh, that, like, abused a black man. And I think it was, like, the most used, the most frequent... The highest number of racial slurs in one film, really, ever made, or some nonsense. You know how like uh, Scorsese is always trying to get the most number of fucks in one film. After that, nobody wanted to have uh, Sanderson in their movies. I'm just going to guess and say that it was called uh, Fight for Your Life. Fight for Your Life? Yeah. Hmm.
Huh. Also seem to remember that the only original film negative was destroyed in Hurricane Sandy. If I remember correctly. Lucky for him, I guess, huh? <laughs> I mean, there's still videos, I guess. I don't think it's legal in the UK. What is, Fight for Your Life? Yeah. It was deemed too offensive. Here's the tunnel, the Blade Runner tunnel. This is this is the only nod to the fact they're in Los Angeles is that they go through this tunnel. They decided not to skip the bridge this time. They're afraid they'll run into the uh, Menendez brothers again. Or is it Mendez? Here's your. Uh, here's another one for your hundred one. Phone booths. Payphones in movies. <coughs> yeah. I prefer a nice. Uh, they actually did a. They did like a contest or a where uh, a bunch of city planners and architects designed uh, new uses for New York City's phone booths. And the one that the people liked the most, that was also the dumbest, was just yeah. cell phone charging stations where you could go like just talk on the phone in a phone booth, which is just asinine because you haven't even thought of anything new. It's still a phone booth. It just doesn't you use your own phone in it. It just has plugs and you can plug in to charge. Yep. That'd be great for homeless people. They could just plug in their stereos and stuff. Yeah. Have you ever been able to use one of those since you moved there? They don't they don't actually have them. That was just like a proposal. Oh. Uh I got to use one once, at least once. A cell phone charging station? Just, no, a a public paper. Oh phone yeah. Booth. I actually used a phone booth when I moved there years and years and years ago. You know, I saw a guy not long ago. He like I was on the like they had a they had a phone in the subway station, which seemed ridiculous. There we go. And uh, I like that dress thing that she has there. Yeah, it's like part uniform, part prison. Yeah, part prison garb. But yeah, I saw this man on the subway that the phone, the payphone started ringing. He like looked around a little bit, but then he answered it, and it was for him. <laughs> <laughs> like. One of those payphones. Like, why did you? It's on the on the column. Somebody was calling him. Like, why did you, why did you look around and pretend you didn't know if it was for you? Obviously, you told somebody to call you here. That's fucking weird. That would have taken a lot of effort to get that the phone number, get it to somebody, ride the subway over there to get the call. Yeah. Pretty nuts. But it, there were other people on the platform, and they're probably telling the same story too. So I guess he got his point. He got the word out that they do still work. Um, about four years ago, I was in uh, Philadelphia to meet somebody. Uh huh. At the uh, convention center, 
I was just going to meet them there because that's where the bus station was nearby. I didn't realize there was a fucking convention that day. So I just walk over there and turn the corner, and there was like 70,000 people in the building. I couldn't find them anywhere. I didn't know what to do because I didn't have a cell phone. So I saw a payphone in the corner of this giant hall and uh, walked over and put a quarter into it and dialed an out-of-town number, like a New York New York City cell phone, and it fucking worked. Their phone rang, and they picked it up, and it blew my mind. I just expected it for I expected it to say something like, "Please add seventeen more dollars," <laughs> or "You cannot complete this call," or they wouldn't answer because it was a weird number. But I was at my wits' end, so I gave it a try. This guy still alive? What does this guy? Uh, when do you think this guy should have died? Xander Slosh. Probably after a golden shower of hits. After what? Golden shower of hits. Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest, I think every, with the exception of the group sex uh, tape and maybe a handful yeah. of other songs, basically every Circle Jerk song sucks. Every record yeah. is pretty bad. And this, I don't think I like a single one of their albums or songs except for the one that's in this. But only the version, only the movie version. The really this. slow version? Yeah, it's their best song. The soundtrack has like the regular punk version and it sucks compared to the lounge version. Um, I don't know if I would agree with that. <laughs> well, also, another benefit is that the lounge version is like 20 seconds long. <laughs> no, they have, a, they have a whole, I mean, they have a whole recording of it. There's an entire song done that way. You know what? I'll say Wild in the Streets was pretty good, too. That was, that That's, record's uh, pretty good. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron Howard, the director, that was his brother right there. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I don't remember his name. He's also a Howard, but I forget his first name. Amsterdam knows. Is it Fred Howard? Was this the lady on 227, the neighbor? Yes. <laughs> Should we just start tweaking episodes of 227? I don't know that much about it. Uh, it's a spinoff of The Jeffersons, which was one of my favorite shows when I was little. I would say that this scene is the most racist part of the film. It, until a white guy comes in. Now it's not racist anymore. Um, There's a white guy in their band, so it's okay. He's not afraid of of six black men. He's afraid of one ska band. So it's not racist. <laughs> I I think that's what I liked about these kind of movies because in this world, UB40 button, uh, you're obviously a fucking fake ass ska guy. Um, UB40 sucks. Ska sucks. They 
You can quote me on in that. In this movie wor- in these movie worlds of the these type of like punk as a background uh 80s movies, they always they're like it seems as if they live in just like a punk alternate universe where there's like other Yeah. Cause like there's nowhere like even in a city as big as Los Angeles, I feel like in 1984 you would have known the mod guys because they like kind of paralleled what you were into. You think he would have recognized those guys? Yeah, I think he would be like, "Oh, hey, you're." Oh, it's the the Ghost Eddies or something. Yeah. I don't know about that because like uh <clears throat> you know I don't know if you grew up in Atlanta or not but you know there'd be like uh hardcore kids but then skinheads and most of those guys never went to shows but they were out there somewhere well I'll say auto auto here might be one of them he's just sort of out there but he only goes to shows to fight or something but I will say there's also like <laughs> That's fucking guy. <laughs> in in nineteen, I'm guessing in 1984 there were far fewer punks. Huh. Or alternative interests. I don't want to say alternative lifestyles because that makes it sound like he's a homosexual. But I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, that grass growing out of the crack in the sidewalk is the only piece of vegetation in this whole movie. <laughs> That's why he's doing this this dance on there. He needs to stay close to it's nature. The only place he can he can commune with nature. Um, not to put you on the spot, but what do you think the least accurate representation of movie punks is? I know there must be one, like in even in Terminator in the background, but um, where they might be featured players. RoboCop three. Ah, interesting. Or or Terminator. Was there one in Terminator? Oh, the guy. That's right. The guys at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill Paxton um, punks. Paxton punks. I think Chips versus the punks was not accurate. Chips, yeah. There was a Chips versus the Punks episode. Uh, any 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 way, punks that were on a, uh, a a sitcom are automatically the worst. I mean, like I'm sure there was like a growing pains where somebody was punk. Oh, there was, but they also would wear a, a Madonna pin. Or when James Franco became punk in uh, um freaks and geeks and he he got a black flag record here's another phone booth i love that i love that uh diner this that's in this thing yeah check out the plate of shrimp sign plate of plate of shrimp shrimp luncheon special earlier in the film william h standerson was saying now imagine someone says plate of shrimp next thing you know you're gonna see a plate of shrimp so we actually see a sign later because he said that. Uh, Wait, that that really that is William, that really is William it. Sanderson. No, I don't oh. know who it is, but that's his that's his name now. Repo, Repo Man, starring Harry Dean Stanton and William H. Sanderson. 
and leaving. I don't know why I said that because he's not in this movie. Leaving's not. I thought. I thought uh, that was. I thought that was very believable. <laughs> I was like, huh. Um, being Rames. This diner at night and there's nothing else around seems, uh, not to sound cliche, extremely Los Angeles, like that sort of lost, uh, that lost aspect I was talking about where people exist outside of reality. Yeah. Like who else would have gone to this thing? It's only there for them. There's no one else around. Could we dub this the Lost Angeles theory? Lost Angels Diner. The things, lo- Lost Angeles with a T, like it's uh, it's been it's been lost to the rest of. It also kind of my, downtown Miami is a lot like this, where where it's like there's a there's a pocket of like one thing where you're like, why is this here? But it's it's very it's really busy. Like, where did all these yeah. people come from? There's nothing for miles around. There's a bar called The Corner in downtown Miami that's like that. It actually looks a lot like that. And it's just like it's in like a barren wasteland of like old warehouses and uh, like car repair places. And it just sits there, but it's busy. Is Miami really scary to be in? Uh, Not really scary, but a little scary. Yeah, you don't you get your face eaten or something. Yeah, I mean, it's not high crime and violent. I think it is. Or is it just like a normal city? I think it's uh, it's as high crime as maybe like Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that area. I've never heard of it. I thought maybe it was nuts, like. Uh... New Orleans or something. No, it's not it's not as bad as New Orleans, but it's 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 uh sort of sort of sketchy. It's also I it's hard for me to say cuz I don't live there and anywhere I go that I don't live, I feel a little bit uneasy like I like maybe it's dangerous cuz I don't know which neighborhoods are good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, I just assume they're, assume they're all bad. Except that time I went to uh, Portland, Oregon after living where I do now for several years. And walking around Portland and it was pitch black. And I was like going crazy because there's no way I would do that here. Right. But but there it was perfectly safe and I couldn't get, I couldn't like oh, so this is, reconcile You've had the opposite. Uh... Well, yeah. Compared to here, Portland is extremely safe. And there's no problem walking like miles and miles in pitch black darkness. There's no way I would do that here. Oh. There's like no no street lights and no one around. I, I'd be scared shitless if I did that in this city. There's not really much of a chance of finding a place that's pitch black with no lights around in the city I live in. Topeka. <laughs> I heard that there was a police shooting in Topeka today. There was. Um, was it a big deal? It's. I read the New York Post coverage of it. I don't know why they're covering news in Topeka, but uh, it was very accusatory that it was uh, involving the anti-police brutality protesters, which seems to be not the case at all. 
but is just a crazy person who killed two police officers. Yeah. Were they shelling anything or did they catch him? He killed himself. Oh, he's dead too. Yeah. I see. Uh, can we uh, go off record for a second here? Yeah. Um, are you looking at something on the screen now? Um, she just. She she running now. The guy's laying. The the he's getting up. He's getting up. All right. Oh man, he's just roughhouse throwing her in the car. Well, so these I wonder are, why they found so many blonde guys. Oh, look at those potato chips. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Regular potato chips. Do you think this is what Lost what did for the Dharma Initiative? They just took over this uh, this whole kind of concept. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. It's a television show from the Here, early 2000s. Here's the Here's the only nod to her being a robot in the whole film is that screwdriver. We're supposed to know from this one scene she's a robot. I know what Lost is, but I don't know what your thing is. Oh, okay. Um, About the potato chips, I mean. there. I like that generic uh, dry gin. And <laughs> generic beer in one hand and generic gin in the other. Or a whiskey. This is just whiskey, yeah. There's an open chest. You, there's the open chest you were talking about. Yeah. The hairy. And that guy on the other end of the spectrum, he's like fat. <laughs> Speaking of uh, open chests, you know that um, you know that uh, Otto. His dad is actually a famous actor as well. Oh, yeah? Who used to walk around with a hot open chest like that. Um, open chest is probably the wrong way to say it. His chest isn't actually open. His uh, jumpsuit is open. Oh, you mean uh, Otto his, the character, not Otto from Sons of Anarchy. Otto, is being, Otto is being played by Emilio Estevez. Okay, not Kurt Sutter. Uh, and, Kurt Sutter's no. Otto. Emilio Westeves' father was also an actor, and he was known I, for walking yes. around with an o open jumpsuit. That's true. We should uh, take some callers and uh, see if anyone knows the answer to who Emilio Estevez's famous father is. I want to see the label on that whiskey, though. Does it just say regular whiskey? That guy, that guy doesn't have enough hair to, to be cutting off, I don't think. Yeah, keep what you uh, got, dude. Homage to Public Enemy. Yeah, any caller, any uh, listeners out there, if you can name either Emilio Westeves' actual father or maybe three roles, three films he's played, uh, that'd be good enough to you will get accept a, our, our prize. Do we still have any of the uh, laser-etched uh, film tweaker piss bottles available? Uh, <laughs> Uh, all I have left uh, are those lanyards. Oh yeah, the the, the neck lanyards. Uh, all From the our... all the piss, 
That was from our fe- the festival, right? The Film Tweaker Festival. All the piss bottles that haven't been sold have been used. I wouldn't feel <laughs> oh, right giving away. A we got to we got to get a warehouse. You can't you can't hold on to them anymore. Oh, uh, this bar that they're in now is the best bar in a film. This is a cooler <laughs> bar than the one you work in. Cooler bar than Mulholland Drive. There's like a guy in a tux here, and this guy's just naked wearing a vest over there. Every single person that might live in L.A. would be in this in this bar at one point. Isn't it sad to think of what um, Keith Morris looks like now? Not that he looks cool here, but he looks like a fucking lunatic now. Well, yeah, because he's a white guy with dreadlocks. Right. So who's like you know, 100, like 100 years old. Scum of the earth. This bar is just a room that they found, and they put a red light bulb in. Yeah. I don't like this guy with this kid. Well, hold on a second. Uh, we're getting a call. Call one's lighting up. Hold All on. right. Is that Anna Wintour that they're with? Hello? Welcome, Caller, caller. are you there? Is anyone there? Hello. Call, Hello. Caller, you have... Oh. Okay, there he is. Film tweakers? Caller, yes. Where are you? Uh, where are you calling us from? Holy shit! I can't believe I'm talking to you guys. It's calm down. It's calm down. Okay. We get this a lot. Okay. Generic, bu- generic butyl nitrate A plus. Um, sorry, caller. Uh, we're trying to watch a film here. Uh, yeah. Where are you calling from, man? What's your name? And your sex? ASL. Uh, ASL caller. I'm calling from High Hill, Missouri. Eastern Eastern Missouri. Oh, what else do you want? I'm sorry. <laughs> you can just tell us your name so we oh. know what to call you. Okay, my name's Man. Hey, Man. Man, that sounds like a fake name. All right, sir. It's M-A-N-N. It's German. Oh, is it? Is that German? Hmm. Because it sounds more made up to me. I, so I, I figured I figured <laughs> you guys would be trying to have some fun with me, so that's cool. What's uh, Trademark what's it like out tweakers. there? What's it like out there in High Hill, Missouri? Uh it's pretty peaceful. I work in a motel. Okay. Any uh, any backlash after the uh, Ferguson protests and riots? Not out. Not the- out this. Not out this way. No. No, you don't uh, feel the after effects there, huh? No, it's just the highway. There's a highway here. Missouri's and, a pretty big place. It must be the size of Tuscany, at least. Yeah, it's, it's close. You end up out in, uh... You go to Kansas City a lot, or you, you're St. Louis, which are your, uh... Oh, I'm way closer to, to, to St. Louis. Right. But I, I don't go there, though. No. Try to stay off you the know, stay off the big Cardinals Cardinals fan though, right? Oh yeah, sports. They uh, but cards. you know they're from uh, Arizona. That's the football team. What the fuck are y'all talking about? Missouri is one of only two states in our nation, which the capital city is not on an interstate. You should be proud of that fact. Is that uh, one of the trivia questions? What's the other state? Uh, Alaska? Hmm. Don't know the answer. 
but interesting. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? <laughs> you know the trivia question because you heard us announce it on air. So I know. Stop I'm, stalling. I'm, I'm, I'm so ready to school you guys. I'm so ready to school you guys. Can you can you name Emilio Estevez the star of Repo Man? Yeah. Can you name his famous father or three films which his father has been in if you don't actually know his full given name? Well, I I know his name and I'm also I just wanted to kind of show off a little bit and go for the uh three movies. Are you ready? Y'all ready for this? Yep. Okay. So, three movies that Emilio uh, Estevez's father was in. You wanted father, right? Not mother? Uh, Yes, fathers. Father. Okay. Yes, please. I'm going to go chronologically from one of the earlier ones. Uh, He was in Blazing Saddles. He was in uh, the Muppet movie and um, as a live a live action live action. He wasn't a Muppet, of course, and uh, uh-huh. he was in a movie called Baby Geniuses in the nineties. Hmm. That that was a pretty recent one that he was in. You guys might be more familiar with that one. Um, I don't know. I about... don't think any of those are right. But who who could you just name the, the actor? actor? would be easier because I really doubt that this man was in Baby Geniuses. Well, I'm not sure you know the answer then. Um, you know who was in those movies? I well, know that nobody was in Baby Geniuses, so it seems doubtful that this guy's <laughs> highly, highly esteemed father was in it. Obviously, it's Dom DeLuise. Rest in peace. Um, no, it's actually not Dom DeLuise. No, uh, his father was an, also an actor. Yeah. Yeah, Dom DeLuise. No, I think you thought we said famous eater. You guys have to be shitting me. You're talking about Paul Prudhomme. No, um... He's in... He's on the television. He was on a television show about uh, politics. A hint. Here's a hint for you. The the man we're looking for was uh, one of his most famous roles was also a TV role for a uh, politically themed television show. Okay. In the. I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to take a chance here. Uh,. This doesn't seem right, but, you know, I anything's possible. Uh, so I'm going to go with Robert Guillaume. Uh, I mean, while, 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 yes, that man was, is famous for a TV role, uh, that is not actually the correct answer. That is not Emilio Estevez's oh. father. Rene Abergenois. The show we're looking for was created and written by the writer, screenwriter for A Few Good Men, which you might know is the film in which Jack Nicholson yells, you can't handle the truth. Okay. He created this famous political show starring Emilio Estevez's dad. Jesus, you're just 
burying me in trivia. This is... There's only only two minutes can be at this point. I don't go on and tell you. I'll, I'll go on and give you one further hint. That's gonna that's gonna shock the pants even off of my fellow tweaker warlock. His dad's co-star on this political drama was a childhood high school friend of Emilio Estevez. They were best bros in high school. Okay. In Santa Monica, in the seventies. But you're expecting me to know who wrote A Few Good Men. Also, that's that. I didn't call in for that. I just wanted to talk about Dom DeLuise. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just relax. Give me a better hint. Here's a better hint. Yeah. What does he look Emilio like? West, Emilio Estevez once starred in a film with his brother. He's also starred in a film with his father. Wait. He Emilio Estevez starred in a film with his father's brother, his uncle? With his own brother. With his own brother. <laughs> yes. So now you're asking me who Emilio Estevez... I called in about the dad. You can... if For partial credit, if you tell us the brother. There's two guys who have this dad now, so there's two different avenues in which you could guess the dad. Jesus. If you can't guess Emilio Estevez's dad, you should be able to guess his brother's dad. Well, now I have to guess who his brother is. His brother, his his father has also starred in a the only film that's ever earned uh, Martin Scorsese an Oscar. Hmm. What? Oscar. Academy Award? Is that what an Oscar is? His uh, Emilio, Emilio Estevez's brother. I'll tell you who it is right now. It's Anthony his co-star okay. in Men at Work. Men at Work. Uh, Jesus. Jesus, man. Okay, I'll give you a, I'll give you a final, final clue that you, you have to be able to get this. His father's first name is Martin. I don't know how you couldn't get this. Martin Scorsese. No, no, no. That was a different question. I'm sorry. So I'm they sorry. were. All right. Lou Diamond Phillips. Just forget it. Just, just cut. Just cut this guy off. Lou Diamond Phillips Seymour Hoffman. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that actor. Uh, let's see. Marlon Brando. Martin. Martin is his father's oh, first name. Mar- Marlon. Mar- Martin Brando. Yes, that's correct. You've won. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Uh, we'll send your prize to your home address there in East Falls, Missouri. It's not East Falls. It's High 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 Plains. High Falls. High Falls. I love you guys. You guys are. This guy's a fucking idiot. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck those callers. Should we? I don't even know why we do the callers anymore. These people are fucking idiots. But keep calling, guys. Keep calling. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for all your why support. Why do people call in if they don't? If they don't know? Uh, who Martin Estevez is. 
Yeah, I I actually thought it was Martin Lawrence the whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh who's Aaron Sorkin? Did you? I don't even think you said Aaron Sorkin. Uh, my my producer gave me a slip of paper that said he was on Aaron Sorkin's show. Who the fuck is Aaron Sorkin? I well, I don't know. It was a good question, regardless. Oh, Aaron Sorkin is a person who gets outraged about uh, that movie, The Interview, not being released. That's all I know of him, though. I thought he was just a pundit, a film pundit. Um, We just missed an awesome shot while we were yelling at uh, Martin for calling in uh, of... Our old graduate school. He ran past it when he was chasing that car. I don't know if you still have the movie playing or not. Um, it was on the screen a minute ago. Out in L.A. Where are my notes? Because at one hour, I'm supposed to say it is Act 3. And I was going to ask you questions. Because I knew at this point, once uh, Estevez Auto meets up with the uh, scientific science guy, the movie goes off the rails. Um, so I had a pertinent question. Is anyone there? Or is it just me? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm here. <laughs> um, as I've said many, many times about this film, with the, the city's a character or what have you, uh, I don't know if you're paying attention, but you might notice that there's barely a plot to this thing. <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, a lot of these kind of movies, they start off where they're building and yeah. building. I think I've talked about this before. Yeah. And then you realize they're not building to anything because they haven't actually finished finished writing the screenplay. Um, That's exactly what happens in this. He knew like the set pieces he wanted, but he didn't know how to reconcile it. Even when you see the end of the film, it's just... They didn't know what to do. They literally don't know what to do, so they just end it with nonsense. Uh, but I was going to ask you, I mean, I still find it to be a compelling film, and I was going to ask uh, our fellow tweakers if you can come up, if you can name some other films in which uh, the plot doesn't matter that it's completely character-driven, yet also still compelling. Uh that you're only watching it for the people, not for anything that happens or anything they go through. Um, and it's actually a trend now uh, in, what do you call it, writer schools and like people who take the little creative writing, you know, writing circles where they meet at the coffee shops and the Denny's and things like that. Um, the trend now is that characters are more important than plot. Just having interesting people is all you got to do. And books are essentially memoirs just of things that have happened to people. Uh, then about three weeks ago, Adele Waldman wrote that scorching essay in The New Yorker, which has set uh, the literary world ablaze, where she comes in on the, the defense of plot and saying why plot still matters in uh, texts. Otherwise, it's just masturbation. Um, 
So having that being such a timely essay, and we're watching uh, Repo Man, I wondered if you had any thoughts on uh, plotless films that are still worth watching. Well, I, 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 for before I speak to that, I would like to say that I that what you're saying about it's all character driven now. I think that's true, and I think in in dramatic television, the new problem is that everyone tried to write a flawed character because they felt like people, it appealed to people more. It felt more real. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem now is that the characters are too flawed or they're not even likable. Um, and I, the, the example I gave was if you've ever watched Homeland, the character of Carrie, the main star, yeah. the Claire Danes character is just so terrible and yeah, so flawed that you hate her. You don't want her to succeed. You, every episode, I just find myself wanting her to die. She's terrible at her job. She's a terrible mother. She's a terrible uh, patriot. <laughs> She's like everything about her is bad. She is so flawed that she can't, she should not even be able to operate like in the facilities, like what her job is. She, she would not even be able to function. She would be, so she like, would be like, she's so bad that it's hard. It's hard to believe that, the story is credible because she would be fired or institutionalized by now uh, or dead. Right. I mean, like I, when I remember like this fucking CIA was, was blown up at one point in that movie. And like the vice president's killed in, in that show. I mean, that's like in the real world, that would be after nine 11, that would be like, we would just be on lockdown for the rest of the decade. Not just like, Oh, it happened. You know, let's, let's move on into the next episode. Uh, and that was all her fault. But yeah, she's like an insane person. So much that her flaws are just annoying. I just want to like step out of the way and let someone else have that job. Um, But movies that are basically visual, I think, I don't think it's funny because I think the more people get that the, it's a newer trend to be all character based, but in films, I think it's more of a, the ones that are enjoyable to watch are more like, uh, like eighties and nineties movies. Yeah. That, um, that are, that are still not based on, uh, still not plot based. Here you might say there's still a love story because she doesn't kill him. So she still has some love in her heart for, uh, Otto. Um, this one has I mean the plot is that is that the girl from Bow Wow Wow they're trying to find the car right that's it but they don't even know why they're trying to find it it's just a series of like vignettes of these guys walking around doing stuff in bars or whatever well, what uh, happened to his hand Jesus. and giving awesome speeches um it's funny you mentioned the TV. I didn't think about that. I was thinking about movies, but uh, like that True Detective. I don't know if you watched that. I did, yes. But its plot was that two cops are trying to find a killer. Yeah, the plot is very minimal. Who cares about that? There's billions of those. So that whole series was just based on how awesome uh, Matthew McConaughey was and how good of an actor Woody Harrelson can be if he wants to. Yeah. Um, but... There wasn't much of a plot there. 
But yeah, people who relied too much on that, uh, at least in that New Yorker piece, she was saying the danger is you just have your characters being mouthpieces for whatever you want to say. Because right. they don't do anything. They don't do anything. Did they just like espouse your beliefs for you? Uh, but in this film, everyone's a nihilist, but that is what they espouse. You know, like the code of the Repo Man that Harry Dean Stanton gives out. How uh, night, night, day don't mean shit. Nothing means shit. Um, what but about? Yeah, I love I love everyone in this movie so much. It doesn't matter that they're not doing anything. I think the only thing I could think of, and and it's actually a book, but I, I mean I haven't read the book. I've only seen the movie, and I, I think they're very different. Is uh, maybe the diving bell and the butterfly, which I actually like yeah. a lot. I think that's a great. That was great, but it's really just about just his relationships with his family, and the story uh -huh. is just this guy gets hurt. Now he's in the hospital. He writes a book. Yeah. Like, that's not really much of a story. Yeah, I mean, the plot would be something that's, like, challenging to the people who are inside versus just, like, yeah, they an incident or a thing that happens. Like, True Detective is just a thing that happened. It's not really a plot. Uh, but Diving Bell, I can see I mean, it's a thing that is uncommon uh, that would be a challenge for the people inside. How would you deal with being paralyzed or whatever happens to that guy is a challenge to think of but uh what would you do if you were a cop and you were on a murder case it's not much of a challenge i guess i would look for clues or uh get drunk stop being a cop but then keep being a cop um what, do, what are your what are your movies that what do you think other than this that are uh um, enjoyable i'm not gonna say that Oh, do they have to be enjoyable? I thought that was the uh, point, that they're enjoyable, but there's no, <laughs> but there's no yeah. plot. Well, I'll go, uh, go ahead with whatever you, whatever you think. I don't know. I'll give you some bad ones. Um, most of Kevin Smith's work that I've seen. Maybe some Tarantino stuff. I, I actually will go ahead. I'll say maybe uh, it's not all, but the plot is always really flimsy in um, Tim Burton movies. And it's mostly just like cool stuff going on. Huh. Hmm. Now I need to watch Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands tonight. See if that's true. I haven't seen his stuff in a while. His new stuff. I don't even it's know what his blonde. new stuff is. Um... I didn't see the one about the barber of Fleet Street. Uh, I didn't see the one that was like a vampire family. It was called. Um, oh, that looks terrible. Oh, that's a that's isn't that like an old movie, an old show? It was they redid? Dark, Dark Shadows. Shadows? Was a TV yeah. shows. Yeah. It was like in the sixties and then again in the nineties. I didn't see Frankenweenie. I love that fucking shirt Otto has on here. He's wearing that like. Yeah, uh, Mexican golf shirt or something. On on the flip side of that, I think some of those. Uh, I think the more touching uh, or more like deep uh, plots come from like Pixar movies at this point. Like I'm, I watched one recently. The uh, 
Freebirds and was kind Is of that shocked. You? What? That was you? Who watched that? Someone posted on our site Freebirds A plus. That was and I thought me. we got I thought we got hacked or something because I looked up Freebirds and saw that like poster was a 3D turkey. No, it's excellent. Running, it was great. Running from an explosion or something, and I thought we'd gotten hacked because it made no sense. It's an animal liberation film. <laughs> uh, it's great, uh, and it, it the story is interesting. It involves time travel and stopping Thanksgiving and American traditions and everything. Like it's 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 really good, but uh, I think those movies get to be more creative, whereas these just follow the traditional hero's journey plot. Not this, but the u- usual. Yeah. Sorry, what, I keep interrupting. What are your What are your film? What do you think? Um, I'm gonna. I'm drawing a blank for good ones. I think I just expected y'all to tell me uh, good ones, and then I wanted to say that Kevin Smith was terrible because his are nothing but character and Tarantino too. I think a bit. Even uh, that latest one, no, the second to latest one, the World War Two film. Uh, most of it is just characterization. Uh, I mean, the plot is what? A bomb A bomb plot? Nothing else in that film really matters that it happens or not. Hmm, maybe that Brad Pitt film that just came out? Fury? Fury? I haven't seen it. Uh, most war movies... Uh, are kind of redundant anyway. <coughs> I wonder if every film doesn't have a plot, the more I think about it. Does Thin Red Line have a plot? Does Training Day have a plot? Have you seen The Green Car yet? Yeah. Wait, what do you do? Have you not seen it? Yeah, I just drove by. Oh, I may be ahead of you then. I'm up to the... Are they at the top of the gate yet? Top of the ramp? They're about to slam the brakes. They just slammed the brakes at the gate. And now they're all getting out of the car with their guns. I like that outfit with the nurse's outfit over the uh, purple dress. Yeah, I guess so. She didn't want to change in front of him. He's got the Mexican uh, bowling shirt on underneath his doctor's outfit. Uh Uh-oh. You guys are fucked now. (laughs) I like he jumps out the window. He has no clue how far it is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it worked in the fifth floor. It worked out. They should have just had him die, and this would have been the end of the film. Do you think that was an outtake, him not being able to break the window in the first try? Because yes. it seemed really dumb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think they gave him one chance. They just turned the camera on. He didn't stop. Uh, there's an, an, a, an earlier one where um, Harry Dean Stanton forgets his line. Uh, but he keeps going. It's like a five-minute scene. Uh, he says something like, The Menendez brothers are... I, 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 you mean the Menendez brothers? They're a bunch of losers or something like that. Rodriguez brothers. The Rodriguez brothers. He starts the sentence and then forgets the half, so he changes to some other sentence. Then he goes back and finishes the sentence. Uh, that car there, 
Yeah. When it's green now, uh, it's not even special effects. They actually painted that car uh, reflective, a reflective green. Are he's you... he's actually he's actually seeing it glow. It's not even like done with animation or anything. Oh really? Yeah. It was some billion dollar like a billion dollar paint made by 3M. I like the code of that. I like car. the helicopter that's searching. Like seeming, I know it's not for them. It's supposed to just be like LA's like that. But like, yeah, they have a light pointing down. Do you think that you'd be able to find maybe the glowing car without a light? <laughs> if they turned off the light, it'd be easier to find. Yeah. But that paint's got to be radioactive as hell when he's just sitting in it. That's probably why Harry Dean Stanton died of cancer six months after this movie was made. That's so true. Only an asshole gets killed over a car. I think Vin Diesel said the same thing in uh, Fast Five. Fa- fa- uh, I think you're thinking of Fast Seven. Oh. Yeah, it was Paul Walker. It was Paul Walker. Paul Walker said, oh, so strange he would have said such a thing. Are you still sore over that? Um, Does it no. still make you sad to think about him being dead? Did he do anything other than be in the six car movies? I don't think so. So if he hadn't died, he wouldn't have done anything anyway. Everyone in this film is named after a beer. Bud, <laughs> Light, Oli. But no one actually drinks those beers. They all just drink that generic beer. Um, we're coming up on the moment in which they didn't know how to finish the film. <laughs> just make do something dramatic at the end. Yeah. I was going to ask you during uh, Act 2... Since I can't think of any plotless films that are successful, uh, if you had any city character movies that you love, city mine are all Los mine are all Los Angeles, you know, uh, Collateral, uh, Barton Fink, this guy, maybe um, Big Lebowski, um, less than zero. I mean, I think it's easy to say New York because every yep. Woody Allen movie, just about. Um, yeah. Uh, those... What about maybe um, Death Wish takes place in Detroit, and I think it couldn't take place anywhere else. I think Detroit is definitely a major character in that movie. Hmm. Are you sure about that death wish in Detroit? <laughs> uh, a lot of New York films. I guess we should I mean, maybe edit that. There's, there's one thing that I learned from a name drop uh, was that Los Angeles has uh, several roles. One might be it's a film set in L.A., so it's important that they show Los Angeles stuff, like the Hollywood sign, 
or someone at the beach in Malibu, you know, shit like that, because it's supposed to be there. But Los Angeles is also just like the backdrop because it happens to be where they make movies. So something like Reservoir Dogs is filmed in L.A., but they never say it. Uh, but it's the city that they have to use because they all live there. Um, I don't think New York has that ability. I don't. I don't think anyone set. I don't think anyone sets a movie in New York and just says it just happens to be where they are, like uh, Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. But don't you think with with uh, with L.A. a lot of the times when they need just like a regular looking place, they'll do it in like out in the suburbs where it looks like everywhere, yeah. like a strip mall. Well, that's what I'm saying, like about uh, even Lebowski too. Lebowski or Reservoir Dogs, you know they're in Los Angeles, but you never see any. I mean, I mean, I live there, uh, so I have a fondness for it, but I never see anything there that I recognize that I'm certain it's a place. But everywhere they go looks like you might recognize it, but you can't. You know, I see. pause it here because it looks so generic that it could be anywhere. Uh, and sometimes a third way is when they use Los Angeles and it's supposed to be someplace else, like uh, Spider-Man. They filmed it in L.A., but it's supposed to be New York City. You know, there are some, like, computer-generated shots, you know, set pieces that have New York backgrounds. But when they're running down the street and, you know, you see cars and stop signs and shit like that. Oh, interesting rever- all, reverse role here. It's all Los Angeles. I mean, I mean it's all, uh, yeah, L.A. Um, what about, uh, Mystery Train with Jim Jarmusch? That's a good one. Um, a good one for which? For a city that... Mystery Train. I haven't seen it, so I don't know which one category it fits in. Uh... It's, uh, oh, it fits into the, 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 the city as a, uh... The city character. as a character because it's yeah. it's in it's in Memphis. They go there. These Japanese people go there to like because uh, they're really into rock and roll. I mean, oh. it's I guess that I guess that fits that way. Okay, well we've reached the end of 1984's Repo Man, starring Xander Schloss and the rest of the Circle Jerks. You're welcome to stop your movie now, but if you want to stick around on this tweak, we're going to spend a few more minutes talking about characters versus plot, settings as characters, and we're going to have a late visit from our absentee film tweaker, Amsterdam Houston, who's going to step in with some learned opinions on Los Angeles and David Lynch. And there are movies that are set places, like well, Robocop not, is set, saying, it's set, set, in, set, set in Detroit. Uh, or everything by John Hughes is set in Chicago. I hear people. I hear people say that Vertigo for San Francisco. That San Francisco is a character in Vertigo. I don't know that I a hundred percent agree with that, but I think that's a place people reference a lot. Now that I think about it, I don't. I wonder if this only works in places that I've been. Yeah. I mean, that, that I live. I know that, like, it's quite obviously San Francisco and that, or uh, 
I think Bullet is in San Francisco. Yeah. With Steve Steve McQueen. Yeah. But it just seems really weird to me that it's that it's taking place there. I'd think to myself, why isn't this Los Angeles? I I could say that I could say that movie. Did you ever see that movie, The Town, with Matt? Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah. That 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 I'd say Boston is a character, or Boston is a very important part of that movie. Huh. Like the. I guess you could say it's a character in that. I mean, not yeah. so much in the way Los Angeles plays a character in a lot of these we're talking about, but like yeah. everything is painted by the brush of Boston in that. Yeah, like I guess the place they go, like the bars they go to and stuff like that, they don't look like a stereotypical Boston place, but it looks like generic places in Boston that actual people who live there would know well what about what, it would mean something oh to so them. you'd have to be there i said you'd have to be familiar no with i mean it. they probably are rep you know representing the real character of boston you know versus if i set one there i guess i would show uh john adams house or something or uh fan hall yeah uh well what about i think what the, the sopranos uh new jersey in the yeah. sopranos maybe what, what about um I would say maybe uh almost every uh David Lynch film uses Los Angeles as a character. But I would say Curious. maybe he is doing to Los Angeles what Woody Allen is doing to New York as far as making them a character in his film. Do you think uh, Woody Allen has his as a backdrop or like a show, like a showpiece? He's showing I, I think off. he uses it as a showpiece. I mean, no, New York, like look at us in New York. No, nah, not even look at us in New York, but I think it's like, I think he uses it as a character, but then he's made it like the Woody Allen, the new, the Woody Allen that, or the, the New York that Woody Allen portrays is not New York. And yeah. the Los Angeles that David Lynch portrays is the Los Angeles to a, very tiny it's not no it doesn't exist to anyone because it's like yeah the hollywood for poor people that that doesn't really where you're you're like a part of the glitz and glamour but you're not a wealthy uh, person woody allen is his just like the upper west side upper east side it is but it's also uh, like it's like elite it's not just that but it's like people it's that but it, it acts as if those are regular people yeah, it's like people getting getting bagels and walking around Washington Square Park and chatting. Where like nobody does that <laughs> except college students. It's this tight little clique of people that he might know, and he doing their the thing world. and their and their bubble. Yeah, doing their having their existence in the bubble that he's familiar with. Right, because they're also all all his friends. They probably do do those things, but what they should do is just play themselves. Alan Alda. Diane Keaton should just play themselves, but similar in Woody Allen movies. But don't rather you, than characters, the same is like the same is true of he's made his own version of New York in a movie. He's made like what he thinks it is, and I think David he's just become he's made every movie has just been a play on a Woody Allen backdrop rather than on New York. Which is, I would say, is what David Lynch kind of does. His movies are just a play on his version of L.A. every time. Not like they don't change for 
any way the city would change. I haven't seen much uh, David Lynch. You know who has, though? Uh, our missing tweaker Amsterdam. He fucking loves that guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also, he loves Los Angeles. If he wasn't out at a pool party tonight, he might be able to answer this question. Or at least give more insight than I'd be I'm able to. He'd be able to answer your question better than my silence is able to answer. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a single David Lynch thing in my life. Does Dune count? Uh, I don't think Dune I don't think Dune I don't think David Lynch thinks Dune counts. Uh he washed his hands of that movie. You've never seen Twin Peaks? No. Huh. I might have seen one or two of them, but I've never seen the series. And it seems like now I don't need to. Kind of like The Shining. You know, seems like enough time's gone by. I get the idea. You know, of what it's about or why people like it. That yeah. Miami Vice thing uh, that Michael Mann did, the movie that had the Irish guy and Jamie Foxx, while the movie was probably terrible, its scenery or like the the locations they picked were uh, top notch. It was actually pretty good. Um, maybe maybe that's what he does. Maybe that's a maybe that's a quality of Mike of uh of Michael Mann is making movies that are that use a city as a character. Heat was that way. Uh, it was like L.A., but the back the back underbelly of L.A. Uh, in both Collateral and Heat. You know, non tip, not you know, normal places in Los Angeles, rather than celebrity places, and I felt that way about um, the Miami Vice one. It was always like in warehouses or under bridges or on highways and stuff, not like on South Beach or something, which I guess is what Miami has. I've only been there one one weekend of my life. Uh, I'm recording. <laughs> it wasn't my scene. I gotta, I, I gotta go back reporting. to. I'm reading this thing about uh, somebody, like all these public officials. Former Governor Pataki of New York has said he, in a tweet, he's sickened by the barbaric acts, which sadly are a predictable outcome of divisive anti-cop rhetoric of Eric Holder and Mayor De Blasio. That's crazy. Wait, so he the, thinks that the, the the cops getting killed is the is the fault of the mayor. The current mayor's fault, yeah. For letting people have peaceful protests. And then there's this hashtag now that's blue lives matter. God. It's almost like they Is your is y'all's is y'all's movie over? You're gonna wanna edit you're gonna wanna edit that out. <laughs> Let's see if we can get uh, Amsterdam on the phone to answer this question about uh, plotless movies and uh, David Lynch's uh, Los Angeles. Do you have his phone number? Um, I think that I have his Skype number. Just call and see if you can patch him in. Hold on a second. Let me dial it up here. Oh, my producer's waving. Yes, uh, she has it. She's going to call. She's him. got him? Okay, great. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks. Beep, 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 beep. 
Amsterdam, are you there? Hello, hello, th- hello there. Amsterdam, are you are you are you currently in the pool? Did we interrupt your pool party? No, I'm driving. Oh, okay. I thought you guys knew that I I wasn't able to attend tonight. It's very a Los Angeles thing to be doing. I'm driving from uh, Green River, Utah, to Green River, Wyoming. Gross. I'd I'd hate to turn around, but really, there's nowhere to go. They're both uh, undesirable. Yeah, you're fucked. I'm going to get a bagel. Yeah, good luck. I hope you like cellophane and shelling out five dollars. Fuck yeah, that's why I'm driving to Wyoming. I can make it. I can make it there in time for breakfast at uh. Get real. <laughs> Hang on, I'm looking it up. Uh, no, get get real is a nice, get the nice place. A... I'm going to the the trailer. That was called like coffee for you or Java Connection is where I'm going. Java Connection for a co- for a bagel and uh, get real for a giant cup of milk. Yeah, that she steams in the styrofoam cup that she hands you. A coffee stirred with the spoon that they've been using for three weeks without washing it. Allegedly. I'm I'm pretty sure you don't have to say allegedly because there's no way that place <laughs> is still in business. <laughs> um, we just watched Repo Man. Nice. Warlock, Warlock and I did. And you missed the film, but I didn't know if you were interested in hearing our Act 1, Act 2 questions. Uh, and maybe you had some thoughts on them that you can share without the benefit of thinking about it for 45 minutes like we did. Okay. I've never seen Repo Man either, so I'm going to be even at more of a disadvantage. I see. Well, one of the things, uh, the reason I chose this one was because I got the uh, Los Angeles as a character was my three-part series. Mm. Also, the, not my nihilist uh trilogy (laughs) so uh one of the questions was which films can you think of where the city or the backdrop is as notable as uh or important as the characters in the success of the film um either it's prominence or it's like you know how it recedes and it's just an anonymous place huh this one's extreme this one's extremely anonymous but it also sums up a certain kind of existence in Los Angeles at the same time. Uh-huh. In my opinion. Am I supposed to be thinking of movies in Los Angeles or just any city? Well, we both named ours, and all of mine were L.A., and all of Deshaun's were Detroit. <laughs> uh, what, RoboCop? So. Uh, no, I named a movie that I then realized was not actually in Detroit. Just <laughs> a, city, a city in peril, so I assumed it was Detroit. Huh. Beverly Beverly Hills Cop is an example of one that's a failure. <laughs> they uh, tried to hand it to you and it just didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh well yeah, I don't I don't I haven't had a lot of time to think about it. The first thing that springs to mind is Vertigo. Ha uh, <laughs> for San Francisco. Oh, huh, interesting. Huh. Of course. Uh Bullet. I never heard that. Bullet is also a good San Francisco centerpiece movie never heard that either really huh i'll need to check out those movies i would say if if san francisco 
when San Francisco is destroyed, uh, you could rebuild it from Bullet and Vertigo. Interesting. You're not thinking of uh, Psycho or Rear Window, are you? No. Or The Getaway? No. Why would I be thinking of those? Rear Window is an example of one that's a failure. That's New York, right? Or is, yeah, is that supposed to be San Francisco it, also? It's just an alley. It doesn't even have to be in New York. Yeah. Uh, Vertigo, you can... Warlock, you can put Vertigo on your list of 101 films that do not have love stories. Are you kidding me? Uh, no, Warlock is compiling a list of movies that don't have love stories. <laughs> I'm saying you don't think that movie has a love story? Repo Man doesn't, and Vertigo doesn't. Oh, huh. Uh, Vertigo is about... Vertigo might have a very deep love story, actually. Yeah, it's like obsession. (laughs) I thought Vertigo was about going to the Redwoods and looking at the trees. That's North by Northwest. No, wait, that is... Which movie? That is Vertigo. Uh, That's San Soleil. North by Northwest is about that plane flying by. I see what you're doing. <laughs> no, it's about Jimmy Stewart being obsessed with Kim Novak and ignoring that that poor nerdy woman who has a man's name like Butch or something. And then he kills her. Yeah, interesting. I mean, there are films that I actually gave credit to for teaching me something, which was that Los Angeles plays triple roles. One, that it's important you're in Los Angeles. Two, that sometimes Los Angeles is just the anonymous place outside the studio. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a third one that I don't remember. That he's a that he's made out of paste. He's made out of sweat, pa- sweaty paste. I remember. The third one is when Los Angeles is supposed to be New York or Ottawa or Paris. That's the third one. I see. Um... Well, that was fun. If you have some more, you're welcome to share. Oh, okay. Uh, I honestly can't think of a lot that are Los Angeles-y to me. Mulholland Drive is, for sure. Which, I guess you said something about David Lynch, didn't you? Uh, Deshaun... I'll let Deshaun answer that, sorry. I, I just thought that <laughs> David Lynch uh, used... I thought that he had built Los Angeles into, and I haven't lived in that in that city before. Uh, I got the impression that he built it into a character in his in his film in some of his films. I think more than Mulholland Drive, though. Oh, really? And he kind of, or at least in Los Angeles type aesthetic that he, uh, but he built on it rather than building on the actual city, built off of his former interpretation of it. Yeah. I'd say Mulholland Drive would be the most like that then. Yeah. I can't I can't think of many other of his movies that it's so But forefront. I com- I compared him to Woody Allen sort of doing the same thing for New York. Oh. You mean where he trolling the streets for children to sleep with? Uh, I don't think he has to go onto the street. Oh, he doesn't. He just, uh, he just adopts them. Yeah. <laughs> he is one of his own kids, allegedly. Right. 
I think he also has like built this New York that is not New York at all. Oh yeah, it's like some romantic New York from the forties. Yeah, but but it's not even that because there's like there's all the modern amenities that he wants, and there's like you, you when when you see a one say his characters walking down the street, it's not like Ray's famous chipotle like it's like lined with like great like yep. boutiques and and like cool little coffee shops not like a hundred starbucks in a, in a five block radius i heard an angry frenchman who also loves films probably more than the rest of us combined <laughs> uh shouting about amelie yes that it's like this lo- love letter to a paris that hasn't existed since you know the lost generation was there. I've heard that too. But about it, it's made for like Americans to think, uh, or this is what, like what tourists might think Paris is about. There's always, uh, an accordion playing somewhere. You know, people are going to the bistro. Like we have fucking radio shacks and McDonald's on main street in Paris. And so does and Paris. We yeah. To rock. We listen to rock music. Guys need me for anything yeah. else. <laughs> Don't you think that uh, that that yeah, guy gets the a second question? Don't you the think that guy question. gets a bit of a pass, the Amelie guy, because all of his movies are fantastical and like not supposed to portray a re- a true reality? Like I think he's a, you've accepted that those are like almost like a cartoon. Well, in the end of Amelie, there's actually a dog standing on the ceiling, so that should tell you that the whole thing was a fantasy. Oh, like, you're you know, th- I'm sorry, you're thinking of Skin Deep? Her mind. You mixed it up with Skin Deep again. Let me get that other let me get that other question. Yeah. Yeah, these days um there is a trend okay in narrative storytelling uh for the past 10 years that People rely almost solely on character, on characterizations of people, rather than uh, a plot. They no longer no longer construct plots for their characters. Uh, Repo Man, which we just watched, which came out like 30 years ago, uh, the plot was pretty thin. In fact, you don't even need to know what the plot was to watch this movie. I bet Deshaun doesn't even remember the plot. I don't. Uh, but I still found it, I find it successful. But now there's a reaction, I guess, in the uh, storytelling world against this reliance on characters. Um, but anyway, I was going to ask, and I did ask Deshaun, if you had any other favorites or anything that you think is successful that is plotless in the film world, that is only character. Only character. You may have read that scathing uh, editorial in The New Yorker a couple weeks ago by Adele Waldman about how plot still matters and writers today are pussies because they just rely on memoir. Huh. I think she's 100% right, but since we just watched Repo Man, let's find one where the opposite is true, where it is okay to not have a plot. You're probably aware that I don't understand plot or character. One of the examples I gave was uh, True Detective. The plot is inconsequential to the success of the story. The plot of that movie is two cops try to find a killer. Well, I mean, who cares? That's the plot of billions of shows. My other examples were Kevin Smith, who none of us like. Warlock, did you have any that you thought were a success? You mentioned uh, Wall-E, I think. <laughs> 
Uh, no, those are my those are my reference to movies that actually have a better plot. Is Pixar movies? I think the Pixar movies have are are better at having a plot and less. What do you mean by plot? I don't understand what you're talking about. Movies not having plots. A plot, a situation that is contrived to make your characters have to. Your characters have to reach decisions to move forward. Something your characters are put into to decide what happens next. Okay. Uh, time is going to pass in this, and you have to have your characters make value judgments or have uh, critical thinking to reason things in a nonlinear manner. Your characters need to be able to do that if there's a plot. If you don't have a plot, your characters don't have to do anything. They just become a mouthpiece for whatever you're trying to espouse, uh-huh. or as a you know a plot as opposed to an incident, or like say a ship's captain bought a new shirt. Something happens, but that's not a plot. Okay, I think you've got the wrong the wrong guy for this question. Clerks by Kevin Smith is a successful movie, but it doesn't have a plot. It's also terrible, but it was very oh, successful. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to <laughs> wanted to make sure that I knew what you were saying. Oh, it's awful. Everything he does is awful, but it was a success. Yeah, that guy should have died uh, in the womb. You know what? Uh, he would agree. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that you say after that, <laughs> he would agree. He would agree that he should have died after Clerks. He's even gone. I think he's even gone on record as saying that. Why didn't I quit in 1994? When people still liked me, huh? Yeah, <clears throat> as some as somebody played a fiddle in the background. So you're asking me what movies I think are good that don't have plots or characters? My question might my question might be very bad. It was relevant to Repo Man. I thought maybe I'm wrong. Doesn't have a plot. Repo Man barely has a plot, but I still love the movie. When you say doesn't have anything happen, does it mean that it's Nothing that actually propels any kind of causality or anything like it, the that. Plot is, the plot is second to the characters, basically. Okay. The plot, the plot is secondary. It's the character development that, you're, that you care about in it. Do you, uh, do you guys know that director, Dario Argento? Um, did he make uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. Oh, wait. No, you're talking about Asia Argento's dad? Yeah. Are they related? I'm talking about Dario Nic- Daria Nicolodi's Os- Asia Argento's dad, yes. Asia. <laughs> uh, his his movies don't really seem to have plots. Hmm. Is that what you're saying? Um, I think his are sort of different because his are... His are supposed... Yeah, no, you're right. They don't have a plot. But he tries to cover it up with, like... Rather than covering it up with character development, he covers it up with... Uh, scenery and like yeah. cool cinematography. Like for instance, Deep Red might seem like it has a plot, but no, it it's really sense. just him waiting to remember what he saw in the mirror. Like mm. he could have just sat in a room and thought about it. All those other people didn't have to get killed. He didn't have to go knock down that wall. All he was trying to do is remember <laughs> <laughs> the face that he saw yeah. in the mirror, which he eventually does. End. End of story, yeah. Yeah. So he wasted two hours 
of everyone's time. Exactly. The, the actor did. He could have just sat in his apartment and thought about that until he remembered. Yes. He's a good he's a good example of people you watch the movie and you go not like sometimes you say I could have wrote this, but those you say, "Wow, I wouldn't have even just I wouldn't have even written this and I don't write screenplays for a living. I would have at least added like a few more things to happen." And I would oh, say the same, like a cha- like a, a chimpanzee with a razor, <laughs> right? Maybe. I thought you were gonna say or, David Hemmings is a good example of people who look better when their eyebrows don't hang down into their mouth. I think everyone is a good example of that. Oh. Well, he's he's actually an actual object lesson in that. I wonder why he's never. You think he's never seen a photograph of himself? I mean, would it kill someone to tell him? Here's a pair of scissors. Yeah. I was out uh, at a bar a couple weeks ago and uh, with other co-workers of mine. One of them is an old man. And I was sitting there yeah. looking at the side of this guy's head and it looked like there was a hair like go like hanging off his glasses going towards his yeah. ear. And I was about to reach and pull it off of him when I yeah. realized it was an eyebrow hair. Oh, uh, that would have been amazing. What, that was like one eyebrow air that was yeah. seven inches long? Yeah. And I thought to myself, wow, that would have been really awkward. <laughs> wonder why no one's told him. I don't know. And David Hemmings, I guess, he can't cut his eyebrows because everyone everyone would see him in a movie and they know he cut them. <laughs> I guess he's just stuck that way. Luckily, yeah, he died. It's, for, oh. for, but he, it's good for him that he is now a corpse. Before facing the embarrassment, uh, yeah, of hearing even this that tweet. guy, that guy in the Pogues got his teeth fixed. Oh, really? Uh, he he has like a normal a normal mouth now. But do you think his teeth were uh, so fucked up that he had to get them fixed, like for medical reasons? Yeah, he probably, he probably had wasn't face gangrene. Wasn't able to eat. Yeah, his jaw was rotting off. Uh, I heard him say that. Yes, he was famous for it, and everyone like th- called him a sellout. But what they don't know was he hated it his entire life, but he was never rich. <laughs> like I didn't do it because it was awesome. I did it because I was a broke junkie. But now that I'm wealthy, I can finally get this shit fixed. But now everyone calls me a sellout. No one knew that he was actually working his ass off for 40 years for the sole reason <laughs> to fix his teeth. Nice. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was a shitty question. That was the best I could come up with. Uh, I'm sure it's good. I just... It's a pretty good question. It might be a little hope it doesn't deeper keep than you up at we're night. ready for. I'm not sure I, I really have a sense of plots or... Hmm. I, I really struggle to even make it through movies these days. I turned on the ass fix the other night uh, while I was having dinner and I... I don't remember a single thing that happened. What's it called? The Asfix. It's not spelled A S S F I X. A S P H Y X. Yeah. Like asphyxiation. Yeah. Hmm. I might have uh, been able to maintain my attention for Asfix. Maybe you have uh, that ADHD I've heard about. I don't think so. I know some. Uh, I know someone. This is off the record. 
Is someone who has it and was recently diagnosed, and when she was given questions by her physician, one of the questions was, uh, when you watch movies, can you can you relay the plot to someone afterwards? And she said, no. <laughs> she she, she said, has no. I can't. Sorry, she has what? ADHD. Oh, because she couldn't remember what happened in a movie when she walked out of the theater. That happens to me a lot of times. Maybe I have it. Uh, I can if I put my mind to it. I just, I think at this point, I've just seen so many movies that I just don't really care. And they're all sort yeah. of redundant. Like all of them kind of run together where you're like, well, this is just a basic hero's journey. <laughs> I don't think she walked out of Interstellar and said, what just happened? Fuck, do I have ADHD? I think she was asked that later and realized what it. happened to the last few hours of my life. Well, I was just talking to Deshaun earlier. I was watching uh, Running Scared. Yeah. Trying to finish it up. Um, it's t- I've t- this is the third time I've tried to watch it. Like I watched ten minutes and I stopped, and a week goes by. I watched the next ten minutes uh, because, yeah, as it goes on, I didn't know why. Why am I watching this? I got other stuff to do. I'll try it again tomorrow, and I watch ten more minutes, and I got other shit I could do, and then turn it off. Why? Why is that blamed? I feel like why is that blamed on the on the person who can't follow the movie? Maybe we should just t- say maybe they're just shitty movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could follow it. I just like I was saying to to Amsterdam's point about not caring. Uh, what happens? Maybe. Well, I'm never gonna go back and try to finish watching the Asfix. I, okay. I made it maybe 35 minutes and turned it off. You can put that on. You can tweet that as a uh, tweet challenge. Oh, um, I dare tweet, you to watch the, the Asfix. I uh, no uh, tweet challenge. Is a series of movies that when I uh, it only happens because I got Amazon Prime, so it's going to be over once that, that is expired. Uh, movies that I felt I should watch just because I'm a film tweaker. <laughs> I didn't really want to watch Clerks Two or Clueless, uh. but I was like scrolling through Amazon Prime, and I've, as you know, I've seen everything I ever want to watch, and this is all this other bullshit. Like, well, should I watch uh, The Matrix for the for the fiftieth time? Yes. Or should I watch Clue? Should I watch Clueless because I'm a film tweaker and I, I need to be watching more films, even if they're shitty. I need to watch Clerks too, even though I know it's gonna suck. But uh, that was a challenge. I challenged myself to watch something I knew I was gonna hate, and I made it what 22 minutes. Uh, yeah, you can put Asfix tweet challenge Asfix. What about 15 minutes? Um, what's that? Did you ever see that that movie? It's called like Sleeping Beauty, and it kind of looks like erotica. I would say if you can make it through that movie, you you earn yourself a engraved autographed piss bottle. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's some softcore. Well, it's not even porn. It's just it's just a weird movie. Yes. Do you think we should? Do you also think that we should? Maybe this last part we should add in as a film tweak extra, because it's like, it's like. 35 minutes extra on top of the end of the film and it has nothing to do with the movie. Um, I guess that's it. Thanks for joining us listeners for repo, man. Be sure to check in next week when we're going to hear the begotten, uh, 19, uh, 1972 blaxploitation flick starring Isaac Hayes and, Dennis Farina. Uh, you might want to check your file. 
We'll see you then, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. You have been listening to Film Tweakers. Please visit on the web at filmtweakers.com to hear more movies getting tweaked. You can also find us on iTunes as well as at twitter.com slash filmtweakers. Send us an email or tweet us a tweet if you'd like to tweak our performance or to suggest the next film.